Mission trips. Anybody ever been on a mission trip before? Yeah, okay, yes. We, we Either short-term or long-term. Anybody go across the seas? We've got some people who have gone across the seas to go on mission trips. I have been on short-term mission trips. They're week-long mission trips, and they were in the States, unless you count Canada. When I was a little kid, my parents went and did a mission trip, and we went across the border, which was really a different country, but it, it's, it still you know, feels like the same thing. We do uh, vacation Bible schools at uh, a dinky little church in a little town, and when, we, when I became the youth pastor, we took kids to go do mission trips, but you don't, as you already know, you don't have to be going across the seas to do a mission trip. You, you can do a mission trip right here. Obviously, though, we need people to go across the seas, right? We need people to go full-term or full-time and long-term and over the seas to do a mission trip. You know, when uh, the Chain of Love gal was here, uh, she was talking about how we need to get a group of people and go down to Brazil to, to go do a mission trip down there. And I was, I talked with Jody, and it's like, hey, yeah, this would be really exciting, but I, I told Jody my one fear about doing that. It's not getting on an airplane, but it's getting on an airplane over water that scares me. Because if it crashes into a mountain or on the ground, it's fine, but my fear is landing in the water and surviving. Then I got to drown or a shark comes. Or, you know, so it's just, it's a terrible, but there's a chance, you know, in the next couple years, we might see if we can round up a group of people and go down to Brazil and, and do a mission trip. But today we're going to talk about the disciples who went on a short-term mission trip. This, it doesn't say exactly how long it was, but it was not an extended amount of time. They'll do that later when Jesus sends them in Acts chapter 1 to go and be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But for right now, he says, here's just a short little sample. I want you guys to get your feet wet and try doing a little mission trip uh, right now. Before we do, let's again ask God's blessing on the reading on his, on his word. Dear God, I thank you for your word. And thank you again for your salvation that you have helped many of us in here to accept and, under, under, and to understand and to have the ability to share with others. And I pray that, God, everywhere we go, we would, be, we would look at it as a mission field and we're on a mission trip, that we would treat people the way that you would treat them and we'd help them as often as we could and as we had opportunity, we would share your gospel with them. God, again, I just pray that you'd please speak through me and help us to hear exactly what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Luke chapter 9. Jesus is going to send his disciples on a short-term mission trip, and he's going to give them a very special task, and he's going to give them a special, the special ability to do that task. But the first thing is Jesus is calling them to go on a mission trip. Luke chapter 9, we're, we're going to start with the verse, first two verses. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all the demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now Jesus has been, as we've gone through Luke, we've seen Jesus with his disciples. He, he collected them, he's been traveling around from town to town, he's been preaching the gospel, he's been preaching the good news. He's been doing all these miracles. He's raised the dead. He's cast out demons. He's, he's helped people to feel better who were sick. Over and over and over, he's done these miracles, and he's given his teaching of salvation. And now today, he says, okay, guys, here's your chance. I want you guys to go out to the mission field, and I want you guys to do exactly what I do. I'm going to give you the power to uh, drive out demons, to, to cure diseases, and to heal the sick. 
Now, that'd be a pretty exciting task if Jesus was to give us the ability to go and do that. But that's what he says, here's what I want you to do. And Jesus wasn't just saying, hey, I want to give you a taste of what it's like to be me. That's not what he's doing. He says, you guys go out and you share the message, but when you guys do the miracles that I did, it's to prove to everybody who's hearing you that what, I'm te- what you're telling them is really the truth. It's authenticating their message. That they're not just false missionaries full of hot air walking around giving a message. It was proving that the message they had was really from God. So that's why he gave them the ability to do that. Which Jesus could have just said, hey, the message of salvation is powerful. You guys just go out there to these towns and share it. And the disciples would have done that, and I'm sure there would have been some results. But how much better was it that the disciples could do miracles? How much better do you think people paid attention to the message that they heard because the disciples were able to heal the sick, to cast out the demons? Now think about the distractions that would go by the wayside. I remember when we were were talking about Jesus casting out a demon in the synagogue. If there was a demon in here, how chaotic do you think that could possibly be? If I'm up here and I just try to keep talking, nobody's able to concentrate, right? Because all you can see is the demon. If somebody was sick or they were ailing and the disciples were trying to talk to them, those people are going to struggle to listen because they hurt, because of their pain and their sickness. You take those things away and guess what? Those people can focus on the message that they're supposed to hear. You know, in real life today, uh, Back at Kokola Lake Bible Camp, the, the camp that I used to work at when I was younger, there was a cook that always proved his point to me, and I didn't really look at it this way, but every time she got up to speak about how important food was, she would say the same kind of thing. She'd say, you want the kids to sit and listen in chapel, right? Because that's the most important thing is they get the message. But you got to make sure you feed them a good meal first. Because if they're sitting in chapel and their stomach is rumbling, guess what they're paying attention to? They're paying attention to their stomach. So he's saying, meet their needs. And that's what Jesus sent them out to do. Meet their physical needs, because if you do, they're going to pay better attention to the message that you give them. So they're meeting their physical needs. It happens to be miracles that we cannot do, but it's the power and the the command that Jesus gave them to do. So they're doing that. The second thing is, he says, is to meet their spiritual needs. Now the disciples... We're, we're going out, and they're preaching the message of the kingdom of God. They were preaching the message of salvation to the people of the towns that they came to. This was, this was something bigger than the physical needs that people had. People who are hungry, they need food. People who, who are struggling with, in some area, they need help. But the, the physical need does not surpass the spiritual need. The spiritual need is a bigger thing because that physical need is temporary. That spiritual need is eternal. And they were told to preach the good news. Now, the good news is the news that Jesus came to this earth and he died on the cross to pay for our sins, that by trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior, we could have eternal life. And they were supposed to share that with people. And they were going to the Jews. They were going to the Jews who were people that were a lot like the Jews today. The Jews back then would hear the message of Jesus, and they, they didn't believe it. They believed that God is going to send the Messiah but they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And there's lots of people today who are just like them. I, I did a little research, and they, they just say Jesus doesn't, it doesn't line up with what their beliefs are about the Bible. But we believe that Jesus came to this earth. He did everything that he said he did. He walked on water. He healed the blind. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He died on the cross, and he rose again so that we can have eternal life. 
That's what we believe. Amen? Amen. That's what we believe. That's what Jesus did. So Jesus sent them out to do physical, to physically help people. He sent them out on a spiritual mission. But then you find in verses 3 to 4, he sent them out empty-handed. Verses 3 to 4. He told them, take nothing for this journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. What did these people have with them? They had the clothes on my back. That's it. They had nothing else. And what's Jesus telling them during this time? He's telling them a couple different things. One thing he's telling them, you're ready to go right now. I want you guys to go to those towns, get in groups of two, and start marching down the road to these towns. These people need to hear this message. You don't need to go home and get a bag full of food or extra clothes or anything. You're ready right now. You know, a lot of times, you know, missionaries, and I don't, this is a little bit different from a full-time missionary because they raise support. Uh, in, in their culture, if you went to a town, you could, you could go and uh, stay in the town square and somebody would welcome you in for the night. In our culture, if you want to go be a missionary, you're, you're raising your own support and then you're going there and you're taking care of yourself. Things are a little bit different. But for these people, for the disciples, they would go to a town and the people would welcome them in. And the disciples would use this opportunity to try to bless the people. They see that they had a need, and they would try to meet that need. And then the people would start asking, well, what, do, what brings you to town? And they would just have this friendly, casual conversation about, well, we came to this town because we wanted to give you the message of salvation. There were people who accepted it, and they said, great, we need this message of salvation. And there was people who did not accept that message of salvation. And the disciples went knowing that not everybody was going to accept the message that they were going to hear. Verse 5 says, If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave them or leave their town as a testimony against them. They're, they're going to a place already knowing ahead of time that not everybody is going to accept that mission, accept the words of God, the gospel that they're going to bring, which immediately makes me timid. If I know and I'm confident people are going to hear the message and accept it, I'm, I'm confident, I'm ready to go. If I'm going knowing from Jesus that not everybody's going to accept it, it does make it a little bit harder to go. But they went anyway. Now, it was their custom. It seems kind of strange to me that you would shake the dust off your feet when you leave a town. But for the Jewish custom, if the Jews walked through the Gentile area, they, as soon as they got to their the Jewish line, they would shake off the dust off their feet. They didn't want any Gentile dirt or uncleanness. They would shake off all the dust they could have possibly got on their person because they wanted nothing to do with the Jewish dirt that was there. And when, they, when, the, Jews, when the Jews would do that to the fellow Jews, they're saying, you guys, we're going to treat you like the Gentiles. They don't want, the Gentiles don't know about God. You guys are, don't want Jesus. You don't want this message of salvation. Fine. We're getting all the cleanness here. We're going to treat you just like the unsaved, the, the pagan, the evil people. And we're, we're saying you're on your own. And it, the Jewish people who saw that would understand that that's what the Jews were telling them. You, you want nothing to do with our God. We want nothing to do with you. It sounds kind of harsh, but the Jewish people were supposed to be willing to accept that their Messiah was finally there. And he was going to save them from the, the sins that they had. The disciples were sent on a mission trip, and God provided the disciples with the abilities that they needed to complete the mission trip. God has provided us with what we need to do 
can meet physical needs on a mission trip. The first possibility might be money. That might be the easiest, sim simplest thing you could do. You come across somebody at work who has a bill that they cannot pay, and you say, hey, you know, you, you give them a little bit of money, or you, you see someone on the side of the road that needs some gas, you say, hey, here, I just got some gas. That's, that's, that's money right there. Or you're in a grocery store line, and the person in front of you does not have enough money to pay for their, their groceries. Pull out your wallet, and you say, hey, I'm going to help pay for this. That's just meeting somebody's physical need. It's, it may not be something you want to do, but it's, it's, it doesn't really cost a whole lot. It's just there's something that somebody needs, and that's an opportunity. It might be giving somebody material objects. Now, the only the biggest thing I can think of, or the most recent one, is, is last year the church did a lot to give a family boots. There was a family who needed boots, and so the church or different people in the money collected, different people in the church collected money, bought the boots, and gave them to the people who needed them. It might be boots. It might be clothes. It might be a box of diaper. It might be a bag of groceries. But all it is, right, it's just a physical need that somebody has. You see somebody has a need, and you're trying to help them. It might get a little bit more involved. We, it might turn out to be helping somebody. There are people here who know how to fix cars. There are people here who know how to build. And you might find yourself in a situation where you can help somebody fix their car, help somebody build. You might be able to help somebody with schoolwork or yard work or babysitting, but it's just meeting a practical need. It might even be as, as simple as just being a friend of somebody who's who has it that's willing to listen to somebody that you know because people need to talk and being that shoulder to cry on being someone that somebody trusts but it is every all those examples are just meeting people's physical needs and that was what the disciples were doing the first thing they were doing were just meeting physical needs now to meet physical needs is a very great thing there's lots of christians who do that around the whole world they'll they'll, they'll dump out uh dollars and dollars and dollars and they'll they'll give clothes and they'll give toys and they'll give they'll support all these causes and that's great but there's there's a lot of non-christians who do the same thing they'll they'll be good humanitarians and they'll they'll ship off money to uh to, to other countries you see the little kids with their their cleft palates they think wow that kid needs that and they're just going to send all this money and they'll support cause after cause and that's great but if if all we do is just meet physical needs then we're, as Christians, we're lacking. We're missing something. All we are is being good people. Anybody can do that. We're also called to meet the spiritual need, which is to share the good news of salvation with people. They have, some, they have a bigger need than just a physical need. They have a spiritual need that, that lasts for eternity. We need to engage them in a conversation. It might be just as, as blunt as saying, do you know Jesus? It might be work, cleverly working out a conversation to get them to Jesus. It might be as simple as getting them through the doors of a church or to a concert or to a movie, somewhere where they, were, they, were, where they will hear the message of salvation. But we can't just do the physical needs. We've got to do the spiritual need as well. Now, I wish I could tell you that that was a foolproof way to get people saved. You meet their physical needs, they're willing to accept their spiritual need, and, they, and, they'll, and they'll get saved, but it doesn't work that way. And you guys know that as well as I do. How many, how many times have you poured your life into somebody with, with every physical need they possibly could have? And you, you try to give them the gospel, and you invite them to church, and you just give, 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 and then nothing ever happens. The, the disciples were told that was going to happen to them. I've experienced it, and I know people in here have. 
have experienced it. And I know that can be really hard uh, because you want that person to become saved. But there's a point where you are allowed to say enough is enough. I've invested physically or financially. I've invested spiritually. It's okay to move my main focus off of that person onto somebody else. It's okay. You do not have to feel guilty. The pressure is off of you because you did what you could. Obviously, you don't just turn your back on those people. You still be their friend. You still, be, you still love them. You still pray for them. But you don't have to feel bad that that person did not come to know the Lord, and you have to keep trying. Your focus was on this person. Now move it on to somebody else. The person may never get saved, and that's really sad. But that person may get saved, and it may be by somebody else who puts their focus on that person. But you as a person, if you have invested, and you have done your part, and nothing happens, it's okay to say, okay, I've done my part. And Jesus was, would, would agree with that because he told the disciples, just wipe your feet off the ground, get the dust off your feet, and move on to somebody else. And I know it's hard because I've, I've done it with youth group kids uh, back in Davenport. I, I went to their youth group events. I, I, was, I invited them to youth group. I just kept dragging them in over and over, and I kept trying to go out to everything they were involved in to try to get them and finally, it's to the point where it's like, I've done everything I can. I mean, I, I've tried talking to you. I've invited you to church. I've tried going to your thing. And it's like, okay, you, you make your choice. You have, your, you have the freedom to make your choice to reject God, just like I had my freedom to make my choice to accept him. But the pressure is off of you. The disciples were called to go. Jesus said, I want you to go. We are called to go. The next thing you see in verse 6 is, the disciples actually went. They went where God called them. It says, So they set out, and they went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing the people everywhere. Now, it seems kind of like a, a simple thing to say they went, but how many people do you know have been called to do something and have said no? Or how many times in your own life have you felt like, man, I should go do something, and I didn't do it? Jesus sent out the disciples and says, Hey, here's what I want you to do. He says, I gave you the example now I want you to take it, and I want you to put it into practice. We should do the same thing. Wherever we are at, wherever God has placed us, we should be looking as a mission field. If we happen to get down to, to Brazil for a train of love, guess what? We're going to be on a mission trip. When we go to work tomorrow, when we walk through the, the office doors, when we go through the school doors, or, or we meet people at the grocery store, guess what? We're on a mission field. It's just a matter of if we're going to make it a mission trip or just a social trip. Are we going to do something for them if, if, the, if the need arises to meet a need? And if we, are we going to take advantage of, of the opportunity to share the gospel if that comes up as well? But you have to decide, am I going to go? God has called you. Are you going to go? Are you going to make it a, a mission trip or not? When the disciples were called to go, the disciples went, and the disciples had various reactions to their, to their trip. Now, there's only one reaction that's listed here, and it has, it has to do with Herod, so we're going to come back to him in a second. But I imagine there were people who heard the, they, they got, the, the disciples healed them, and they immediately turned to them and said, what's this message? Who is this Jesus? I want this Jesus as my Savior. And their lives were changed, and they walked with the Lord from that point on. I bet that happened for some. I bet there were some people who said, you know what? I don't care what you do for me. I'm not accepting that Jesus. You have a good uh, experience. You have a bad experience. 
And then you have this kind of an in-between experience with Herod. He was the guy who whacked off uh, John the Baptist's head. Luke chapter 9, verses 7 to 9, it says, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some people were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that, no, that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is that I hear? Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. Herod's goal or his desire when he met Jesus or to see Jesus was not to trust Jesus for, as his savior. He just heard Jesus was doing all these miracles. And he says, I want to get on the action. I want to see what's going on. What is this all about? I just want to see who Jesus is and what he's doing. And you find out right before Jesus died, that Herod does get his chance to meet Jesus, and Jesus does nothing in the way of what Herod is looking for. He finally does get to see Jesus, but nothing happens. But he's just curious. That's all he is. He's just curious about what Jesus is doing and if Jesus can do a miracle for him. Now, when you go, because God sent you to go on your mission field, and you're talking to people, and you're trying to uh, bless them in some physical way, there's going to be different reactions. Some people are going to say, sure, I'll take the, the physical blessing that you want to give me, but I don't want anything to do with that spiritual part. Some people will say, I'll take the physical, and I want the spiritual. I need Jesus, and I feel like he's real, and I see God living through you, and I want that salvation. And some people are going to say, you know what? I know you're a Christian. I know the message that you're giving. I don't want any part of it. And some people are just going to be curious. You know, I, I wonder uh, at, at different times, I just, during this week, I got to thinking, there's people who have walked by the, the doors of this church, and I know Caleb has tried to invite them to church. And I wonder, what, would it make a difference if, if I went up and just talked to them? Because I'm sure people find out that you go to church, and they wonder, why do you go to church? What's the point of church? You know, maybe people would, you know, you walk around and you say you're saved. Maybe people would say, I would go there if somebody would just ask me. And I think about the people that we've invited once. You know, maybe time has passed, and they say, hey, I would go again if somebody gave me the opportunity. Or this message of salvation that people are sharing, they need to hear it again. Some people just are, don't know what to think. Some people are just curious, and they may never decide one way or the other if they want to follow Jesus or not. But you never know what God can do through you if you never try. So I encourage you this week, wherever you go, that's your mission field. Try to engage, uh, you know, find something that people need help with, whether it's raking their yard, whether it's a, a financial situation, or whether it's a physical thing that you can do for them. Show them that God, God's love is real and show it in a physical way to them. And then they'll be more, and then if you have opportunity, share the love of Christ with them because that's the ultimate goal. It's not just being nice people. We want to share why we're nice people and why we're doing these things is because of Jesus. You know, I, I keep uh, talking about this, this good news. I, I've mentioned it or I brought it up. And it's, you know, if you don't know the good news of Jesus, you can't share the good news of Jesus. You can go do nice things for people, but you have to know the good news. You've got to know that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins so that you can have eternal life. Do you know that? Do you believe that? I really hope you do, because if you don't, then you're not any better off than the people who the disciples were talking to who got their feet wiped off, I mean, the dust wiped off their feet. Those people need Jesus. 
And if you, need, if you know Jesus as your Savior, I, I encourage you to share Jesus. Because there's a hurting world out there that needs Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I would encourage you to please come and talk to me. Or come talk to somebody else who needs, that you know knows the gospel and, and bombard him with questions until you finally understand that Jesus is real and that, and that you want to accept him as your Savior as well. God has commanded us to go to love people. And he's commanded us to go and to share the good news. Will you go and be faithful? Will you go and share that good news with your neighbor, with the people at work, with the people that you know around this world who don't know Jesus as their Savior? Will you go? Let's pray. Okay, I'd like to.